0: Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Okay, tonight, it would fall apart if I asked you to share in little groups at some point during the night. Um, What I'm going to do, I'll pray in a moment. um, There might be a time when I say, just discuss this in little group. And if you are someone who uh, thinks, I can't do this, that's okay. I understand that. Then you just, but join the little group and just listen to what people say. That's all you have to do is just sit and listen. So if you're in a little group and someone doesn't want to talk, don't don't force anyone to talk. And, but it won't be really deep personal questions. Oh, actually, it could be. We'll see what happens. See what happens. It might be a little deep at times. Um, depends on what you call deep. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For gathering us here, thank you, Lord, that as we explore the bigger things of life, as the world continues to revolve and the sun will be setting soon, we know, Lord, that we live in time, but You live in eternity. And we thank You, Father, that You've come that we might know eternal life, which means to know You. So, Lord, tonight, as we gather together, open the eyes of our hearts. We pray, may we see You more clearly. May we see the hope that has been won for us in Jesus. May we see the riches of the inheritance that we have in you. And may we understand more fully the power for each one of us who simply believe, simply put our trust in you. Thank you, Father, that we have the capacity to do this by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So currently we are exploring the Lord's Prayer and I'm really loving exploring the Lord's Prayer because its I find the more I meditate on it, because I'm meditating on a lot because I'm thinking about messages for everything. And I find the more I do that, the more I understand why Jesus taught us to pray the way he taught us to pray. And that very often we make up our own formulas for prayer where Jesus has given us a way of praying which is profound, which as the more and more you unpack it, you discover that he understands the needs of the human soul. You understand that he is the best psychologist, the best guide, the best mentor, the best friend anyone could ever have. And if we would simply take him his word and pray the way he calls us to pray, we would see changes happening in ourselves. And as we go through every aspect of the Lord's Prayer, that's what I hope you're seeing. And that's why um, Jake is talking about the daily devotions, which help reinforce they're linked up to what we're preaching about what we're doing in connect groups It's to help us um actually really focus on one thing at a time that's said tonight we're actually up to the line give us today our daily bread and uh, but i want to recap a bit of the lord's prayer to show where that actually comes in context because this is where we pray for god to do things i loved what jake said about believing for the impossible and uh, and God does do the impossible. And sometimes you, you might sit here tonight and have time, like I do, prayers that you're still praying, prayers that weren't answered or seemed like they weren't answered, but they particularly weren't answered the way that you wanted them to be answered. And sometimes you can forget that God is still the God of the impossible. And you have to understand why he does impossible things. We saw him do miracles when we read the New Testament, And always they were pointing to who he is. Because Jesus said this is eternal life, that we know him, know the Father and know Jesus who he sent. It's a a relationship. And when he does a miracle, when he does something of great power and generosity, we actually see his character and his nature. When I do generous things for my kids, it's not just, it's more than because they asked. It's because I love them. And I want them to know how much I care for them. And when God does those things, he's pointing to something greater. My mum had a... Um, healing ministry actually, and uh, she prayed for a man. Someone brought a man to her once who had um, a tumour in his stomach that was so great, his stomach was really distended. He wasn't a believer in Jesus, but he came for prayer and she prayed for him and that night he was in such such abject pain, he thought he was dying, he thought it was getting worse, but when he woke up in the morning, everything had shrunk and when he went to the doctor, he said, they said the pain was all your organs going back into place. He never gave his life to the Lord; he just uh, went away. Jesus talks about that too. People who received something from Him but actually didn't get to know Him through that. And in my life, I have seen Him do the impossible, and uh, and there's things I'd still love Him to do. And and but we need to focus on on the impossible things. You know, two of my three boys received amazing healing when they were little. One of them, Josh, who some of you know, uh, when he was just under two, fell off a balcony and uh, I rushed him to hospital and he was um, going unconscious. And as he's going in and out of unconsciousness and I was terribly afraid, he took my hand, put my hand on his head and said, Mummy, Jesus. Now, the first x-ray had showed a massive crack in his skull. The next day after we prayed, there was none. And they said, we don't know what happened to this boy, but there was a crack yesterday, there isn't today. My son Caleb, um, when he was a baby, was very, very sick for the first 11 months of his life and um, there was a group for John Wimber in Newcastle and I took Caleb along there and a guy just laid hands on him and prayed for him and Caleb was in and out of hospital constantly for the first 11 months of his life and by 11 months he couldn't even crawl because he was such a weak, fragile child. And, uh, and this guy said, just keep thanking God every day that your baby is healed. And I did that. And one day I woke up and he was better. I took him to my doctor who was, um, he wasn't a Christian, and, um, but he'd had lots of discussions with me about it and about the Bible. And he said to me, what happened? Because it was to do with his chest. He said, what, what's happened to his chest? I said, oh, you probably don't even want to know. He said, I do. And I said, well, I had some prayer for him, and he's better. And he put his stethoscope on his chest again, and he said, oh, maybe he grew out of it. I said, I'm not a doctor, and even I know he's too young to grow out of this. And he said, anyway, anyway, see you next time. And... Uh, But I did happen to know his sister as well who was a Christian and she said, my brother told a story about your baby at a dinner party and he said, I have a a patient and I have to say their God did heal their baby because I have no idea how that baby got better. He just didn't want to tell me. So (laughs) I was really glad to get that little bit of inside information. (laughs) God can do extraordinary things and and he wants us to believe, like Jake was saying, that he is the God of the impossible. Um, Another time I had... um, Graham and I were going to Sydney with Phoebe, our daughter, to pick up Caleb who was flying in from Malaysia. And we had an itinerary. It was when itineraries were typed out. And we got there on time and the flight wasn't on the board. There was similar airline flights but not that number. And every time we asked someone to help us, they'd say, we can't give out private passenger information. And we honestly had no idea what to do. We had no idea how to find him, when to come back, what was happening And uh, we were a little anxious about that. So we sat down in a cafe, we held hands and we prayed, Lord, we do not know what to do, please help us to know what to do. At that very moment, like truly 30 seconds later my phone rang and it was Caleb and he was in the airport at Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and they had made the final call for his flight. And as they did, he looked up and he saw the clock on the wall and for some reason at that moment he realised that the time then was the time he should be landing according to the itinerary in Australia, and he thought, oh, "I bet they're waiting." Like, this happened almost instantaneously. My family will be waiting, and he rang and he said, "Are you waiting at Sydney Airport?" We said, "Yes." Where are you? He said, "I'm in Kuala Lumpur. The itinerary's wrong. I've got to board the plane. I'll be home in eight hours. Goodbye." That was it. But we knew where he was. See, God can do extraordinary things, and I'm sure you have stories. So I'm just going to ask you to turn to. A- has to be. It has to be at least three and no more than five people. And see if any of you have a story. You've only got about two minutes, so you have to go quick. Anyone have a story of God doing what you know was impossible? So off you go. At least three. So look around if you're by yourself. Join two people and uh, no more than five. amazing hearing stories of what god has done and they stick close to your heart so i just want to put the lord's prayer up on the screen if that's okay and i just want to preempt it with this verse from ephesians 1 as we look at this as to why we're learning to pray I think we all want to learn to pray. Just like um, Jesus' students or disciples came to him and saw him praying, he would go off for long periods of time and pray, and then he would come back and always did extraordinary things or had extraordinary wisdom, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And this verse at the end of Ephesians, in the Message translation, I'm going to read it to you, and it says this, At the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. I want to give us tonight a bigger reason to pray than uh, just you. And you are very important. Jesus died for you. But I, w- I want to expand it a little bit more. And I just want to go over this verse again. Consider this. At the centre of, of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Now, just picture this physically for a moment. Sometimes as the church or as, as the body of Christ or as Christians or, or whatever, you may see yourself as um, on the edge and maybe even a victim of this world. But this is saying something totally different. This says you are right in the center and everything is around you. And the purpose of that is that through you, Christ is speaking and acting and filling everything with his presence. And his presence is good. We're not there to judge or condemn. We're there to bring the light of Christ into the world. That's what we're there for. And when we come to pray, we need to understand that we're not coming to pray as victims. Jesus wasn't coming to pray as a victim of life. He was coming to pray as a victor of life. He came into the world, as it says in John 3, 17, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. And you are the people that he is filling with his very being everywhere you are. There's this ancient letter from the very early days of of Christianity written by uh, a Christian man to a man who's looking at the Christians, very early Christians, and wants to know more about them. And this man is describing, this letter is almost 2,000 years old, and he's describing Christians to the very early people who'd never heard of them before. It's a whole new thing. And he calls Christians the soul of the world, Because the soul is is what feels, what longs. The Christians are the soul of the world. He says they are everywhere. They're not limited to one race or one town or one language or one people group. They are everywhere. And it's the same with you. You are everywhere. People who are filled with the light of Christ. It says in uh, 1 John 1. This is the message we've preached to you from the beginning: that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. This is the message: that you are light, bringing light and hope and goodness and power wherever you are. And just like those early Christians, you are dotted in all different places. So we need to be people who are so filled with that assurance that when we go into the world, as Jesus did, He come back from prayer and He go into the world and He bring hope and He bring life and He bring love and He bring acceptance and healing and new life to every person that he encountered. And you and I are called to do the same. And the way we pray will determine how effective we are in doing that. So I want to go back to the start of this prayer. Before we get to the line, give us this day our daily bread, which we will get to very soon. But I just want to go over a few things before we get there. Because it starts off by saying, when the, when then Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven. And the first thing to notice there is, well, the very first word is our, that we are siblings in this, that we have a father and he is a heavenly father. And even though many of the things I've told you about the answers to prayer are physical things and we longed for answers to prayer for physical things, um, those things fade. You know, you read in the, in the Gospels the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead And he brought great hope to his sisters, Martha and Mary, because their brother had died and Jesus brought him back from the dead. But guess what eventually happened? He died. That's right. He died. And so even that amazing miracle, imagine if you'd seen that happen in your life, and even then we die. But we know that we are more than our physical bodies. And you have a spiritual father. You have a father who understands the very, very depth of your being. He understands how you think, how you feel. He understands your needs and like a good father, he will come to you and he he cares for every single aspect about you. And you think of your your needs, you know, you can go to your father or your mother for some of the needs that you have, but there are needs that you have in your life that you can't even really begin to articulate because they are so deep. Some of the needs that you have um you even when you come to the to the heavenly father who is spirit your spiritual father, you find it hard to put into words what you really need. And sometimes what you say that you need is not really what you need. It's um it's something to try to fill the need that you have. Does that make sense? Because sometimes you you, you know, you think you need a friend because you're lonely, but maybe you need something far deeper than that. Maybe you need to learn to be satisfied with yourself in the presence of God. And then friends come and they are a blessing in life. Sometimes we get things around the wrong way. So we have this father in heaven and he is our father. And it's really important to understand that God said, you can call me father because I adopt you into my family. And the only difference between you are if you are a follower of Jesus and people who aren't is that you've accepted the adoption. But he loves all his children. He loves them all exactly the same, but you've accepted the adoption. And from being adopted into his family, it gives you greater responsibility. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. It gives you just greater responsibility in this world because you've experienced the love of the Heavenly Father. So you have this Heavenly Father. And then the very first thing that he asks us to pray is this. Hallowed or holy be your name. Now, I, I honestly believe when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we skip over this little bit because we don't really know what we're asking for, because we are actually asking for something and it can be incredibly confusing. As I said a couple of weeks ago, this can be really confusing because you can, can think, well, I'm asking for his name to be holy because uh, isn't his name already holy? And what does that really, really mean? But what this actually means is his name is set apart. If I can explain that in simpler terms, what this is an incredibly important part of your prayer and if you skip over it, you can actually get to the daily bread part and you can... Uh not have total faith for the bread that you're praying for. And this is why. When you say, when you make his name holy, it may, it means it's the name above all names. And a name means an authority. So I just want you to think for a moment, in your life, what do you give power to? So basically there's a there's a verse in the Psalms that says the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fear means what you revere more. It's not, not what you're afraid of, but what you revere more or what consumes you or what you give most power to. So, for example, um, you can have unforgiveness towards someone and that can plague your heart and your mind. Has anyone ever had that happen, ever? Anyone ever had someone they haven't forgiven? And a couple of people have experienced unforgiveness in their lives, one or two. Would you like to come and testify so others understand what that feels like? Uh, They're in the room. Oh, that's right. (laughs) And then that, Lyndon and Brad, can you just fix it up quickly, please, so we could move on? Maybe Lyndon and Rachel, Brad's sitting in between them. This is very serious. Public counselling, okay. You give that thing power. Does, does that make sense? That if you have something that is consuming your mind, you are giving that thing power. And so I want you to get back into your little groups and discuss the sorts of things in life that we can give power to that aren't total trust in God's love for you. What are the sort of things that you can give power to? Right. Okay, let's pause there. Ten seconds. Um, so... I'm going to ask you to call out some answers to this. So, um, okay, what sort of things do you give power to? <laughs> Offense, anxiety, emotions, yes, money, depression, social media, yes, technology, family, work, other people's opinions, being in control. Anything else? (laughs) Sorry? Bitterness, Bitterness. yep. Other things? We get the idea. Jealousy, different opinions. Even um, we give power, like we allow division to come because of even how people vote or even different views on different things, and then we tend to align ourselves with people who think exactly the same, and we've given that different way of thinking power. If you go and meditate on that, you'll find there's a lot of things that we give power to which aren't the Lord Jesus. And you can call yourself a follower of Jesus and you said, I've made him my Lord, but you're giving a lot of other things, a lot of power in your life. And when you do, it causes breakdown in relationships. It causes pain in the world. It causes you not to live a fulfilled life. Even if it's not causing breakdown in relationships, it's causing you to walk down, walk around in um, a lower view of God and yourself and others than you are ever called to have. And it's because you're actually not making the name of God holy. You're making some some other name set apart and it's being the thing that's ruling your heart and mind. That's why I believe that prayer is so incredibly important and that you can meditate on that for a long time. So you come to pray and you meditate on the fact that you have a Father in heaven who delights in you and spend some time just meditating on that. Just meditating on that. Don't say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now, here's all the things I need. Spend a lot longer on these things before you get to the give us today our daily bread. Because what will happen is your faith for what you need will be built up. Because this is what will happen. As you pray, Our Father in heaven, you will see how he sees you and it will change your view of you and him vertically. As you pray, hallowed be your name, holy be your name, and you look at him and you ask him to clear your mind and your heart of anything that you give power to in your life apart from his power and his love and his grace and his mercy and ask him to show you, Lord, what is it that I'm worried about? What do I trust in more than maybe I've entrusted my own intelligence or my own ability more than yours? My way of seeing things more than yours. I think my ideas are better than everyone else's rather than than even yours. And and spend a bit of time doing that because that's when you discover is Jesus really is the Lord of your life or you say he is but you're giving power and authority to a lot of other things and a lot of other people in your life. And the outworking of it will be division, anxiety, worry, things that consume you which lead to other things like overspending or do, lots of things that we do because of the pain that that brings into our hearts and our souls because we actually haven't made Jesus the Lord of our life every moment of every day. And it's a practice, it's a spiritual practice that we need to develop. And you know you've beaten it when you, when peace, peace fills your heart, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, as it says in, in the Psalms. You'll know it is when it says... Um, that uh, the old song joy is the flag flown high in the castle of my heart for the king is in residence here it means when you when you go to see if you go to england and the flag is up on a palace it means that the king is in residence at that moment and if there's joy flying high in the castle of your heart it means you've made him lord of your life but when there isn't, it means something else is consuming you. And that happens to all of us every day. And and that's why every day we come and we pray that he would be Lord of our lives. This is why the way Jesus taught us to pray is so important, to acknowledge who the Father is, to make him Lord of our lives. And then we pray, this next. the next thing he asks us to pray is that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, everything is perfect. Everything is good. Everything is beautiful. There is no sorrow or mourning. There's no tears. There's no strife. There's no division. There's no anger. There's no bitterness. There's no hopelessness in heaven. And so when you're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Sometimes some of us have got this bad idea that God's will is sometimes harsh, but God's will is always good. It's always good. And so you can pray. You start off by seeing who you are seeing who he is, and then envisioning what this world would look like if he was truly the king in this world. It would look like heaven would come to earth. And as you start to meditate on that, you realize this is what God actually wants in this world. And this is why we, the church, are not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church, and our role is to bring his good and pleasing and perfect will into the lives and the systems around us. And we simply do this by being people who know that we are precious sons and daughters of the living God, and we choose to make his name holy by fearing nothing else and having that peace and that contentment that knows that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he is with us. His rod and his staff comfort us, and at the end of that psalm it says, his goodness and mercy pursue us, follow us all the days of our lives. And I encourage you when you're praying to meditate on those first few sections of the Lord's Prayer. Before you get to this section, give us today our daily bread. Because once you do that, your faith level is so high. You've seen his power, you've seen his love, you've seen his purposes and his goodness. And you know that you are well able to come into his presence as his son or his daughter and ask for anything. And therefore, you don't come and pray in fear and anxiety. You get rid of all of that before you come and pray in fear and anxiety. And you pray in confidence and peace. And you pray, give us today our daily bread. Now, you have plenty of needs for the day. And all those things I talked about before were generally physical needs, but they were emotional needs as well. um, Like I needed to see my children healed. But the fact is I have three sons and two of them were miraculously healed and one of them died and therefore I need deeper daily bread than always getting the answer to the prayer that I wanted and therefore I had to come I've come to the Lord many times and you will have too we have to ask for some deeper daily bread than the immediate answer to prayer but he always comes to answer those prayers because he wants to give you bread. Now, it's interesting that he talks. He talks about bread and he talks about hunger because Jesus talks about hungering and thirsting. Thirsting. He speaks to people about giving them living water, giving people a drink of water that will mean they'll never run dry. And it's interesting that he's created us because there's a lot in our physical makeup that points to a greater spiritual reality. And the fact that we get hungry every day, I think, is really important to remind us how you, know, you actually need to wake up and you need to have a good breakfast. You need to have healthy food during the day. And when you have healthy food during the day, every day it actually regenerates your body and your cells so that you live a healthy life. If you don't eat or if you eat unhealthy food, your body suffers. And it's the same. And I think this is a a physical representation of a spiritual reality. Your spirit and your soul is incredibly important. It's actually longer lasting. It's eternal. So your body will fade away. But what are you doing to actually feed your soul? Because your soul is eternal. And when Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread, he's talking more than about the food that you need or the physical things you need, although he does really care about those things as well. But he's talking about the things that feed your eternal soul. And sometimes we can live lives that are so full and so busy and so giving so much power and authority to other things that we have a shriveling, starving soul. And Jesus said, what purpose is it, is it to gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And so, what are you doing to allow God to feed your soul, your very essence of you, the part of you that um, if you cut off your arms and legs, it's still you. If you die, it's still you. It's the very, very essence of you. And Jesus came to rescue you, the very you, the inner you. And so, when we pray, give us today our daily bread, it's not just our food or just our money or our resources, but that is included in it. But it's far deeper than that. It's the very, very essence of who you are. Jesus explained it to his disciples in, uh, in John 6. You can read about it. And it's after he fed the 5,000. So he often uses um, uh, physical example to show something much deeper. And uh, he said, if you don't know this story, Jesus was out preaching on the hillside and the people had been there several days and they were hungry. And so miraculously, it was 5,000 men plus women and children. And they were one little boy with five loaves and two fish came and it was multiplied and everyone was fed. And firstly, Jesus says this, the work of God is this. Before I read the rest of that that verse, if you don't know the end, just think what the end might be. You don't have to call it out. The work of God is this. So in other words, this is what we are called to do. What is the work of God? What are you actually called to do? Think of what the answer might be, then I'll read it to you. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. That's the work of God, to believe. So when you pray, our Father in heaven, holy be your name, you are going through a spiritual practice of believing. This is what you're called to do because everything else flows from that. The work of God is this, to believe the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. It's a story in the Old Testament where the Israelites were in the wilderness and they had no food, and miraculously they got this bread-like food that appeared every day, and it was called manna. The translation literally means, what is this, manna? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, so they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, because he is the bread of life. It's interesting, then, isn't it, when he says, Pray, give us today our daily bread. It's, uh, we can make it so small when it's so profound. It's give us yourself. Give us yourself and through that may we believe that you provide all our needs. You provide our physical for our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs. You pr- provide for our temporal needs and our eternal needs because you are life. Give us today our daily bread. And in in the original translation of that, it doesn't mean just today. It means having this confidence that I have it for every day. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have enough troubles of its own. But seek first the kingdom of God. Like, Just deal with today. And it's not meant to be a negative thing. It means focus on today. Focus on being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit today. Give us today our daily bread. Give me faith for what I need. Give me the resources for what I need. Give me healing. Give me hope. Everything that you need is found in Jesus. Even the qualities that you need for life are the fruit of the Spirit of God. So when he fills you, you have love and you have joy and you have peace. You don't manufacture them. They come from the daily bread who is Jesus. Jesus fills you. And so when we pray, we're actually, actually asking for something far greater. I'm not saying don't ask for little things. You ask for little things. But the work of, of God for all of us is to believe in Jesus. And from that, we have faith for extraordinary things, faith for the impossible, as, as Jake said. And I would encourage us then as we pray to consider all those aspects of the prayer first, the Father and how much he loves you the uh, how, how the authority of his name. Give him the authority, the goodness of his kingdom. The fact is that you are part of the church and the world is peripheral to you and you're bringing his blessing into the world around you. And then we pray, give us today our daily bread. Well, give me everything I need today to bring life and hope and joy to other people. Give me faith in you. Increase my faith in you so that I can expect you to do the impossible every single day so that people may see that there is a God in heaven who is powerful and who loves us, because that's what we're called to do. And very often we trivialize trivialize our lives, to it's just all about me and just me trying to get through today. But God, you have a greater calling on your life than just that. You are called to be someone who, as it says in Ephesians, you shine like a star in the universe. And at night, when everything is dark, the stars shine bright. And that's what you are called to do. And you notice when you look at the sky at night, you don't look at the dark patches, you look at the little pieces of light. And when they cluster together, they become a brighter light. And the more of us there are, the more we cluster together and we become a brighter light. And that's what we're called to be. So that's what I'm encouraging us to do tonight, to pray like that. And I'm going to lead us through that now. I'm just going to meditate on each line um, we're going to pause at Daily Bread because next week we're moving on to the next part. I just want to pause with that much. and um, But I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, but it's going to be between you and God where I will lead you and then we'll just have a time of silence and just allow the Holy Spirit to do something. in your, if, you, if you're here tonight and you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God and he will fool you simply by you asking and he will speak to you. And if you're here tonight and you think, I've never heard God speak to me, the chances are that you have and you just didn't know his voice. You don't have to be anyone super clever to hear God speak. You just have to get your ears tuned to his voice. You know how um, mothers no, when They can be in a room of babies, but when their baby cries, they know that's their baby. And there's something that attunes you gradually. You gradually learn to listen to the voice of your heavenly Father and you know it's him speaking to you and you'll become more and more familiar with it. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.